The iPhone Photo Show is brought to you by our good friends at Smug Mug. I use Smug Mug to run my website, to back up all my photos, to showcase my galleries. There's so many great things to do with Smug Mug. Backup is probably the most important thing that mo anybody listening today can think about. And Smug Mug has better rates and terms than Apple, Google, Microsoft, Dropbox. Check them out. Free two-week trial, smugmug.com. Hey, everybody. Almost Happy New Year. I'm Jefferson Graham. You're listening to the iPhone Photo Show. I've got another Jeff with me today, Jeff Berg from Minnesota. We're going to talk about printing on the iPhone. We're going to look back at the year that was. And um, I'm just going to jump right in and say, hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jefferson. How are you today? Uh, really good. Thanks for doing this on short notice. Uh, Jeff is a member of the iPhone photo team and has been uh, posting some really great photos. And I thought of him recently because I got involved in a uh, LinkedIn diatribe, not Twitter, but LinkedIn, where a photographer posted some photos and said, hey, look, look at what I did on the iPhone in Prague. Aren't these pictures great? And a whole bunch of pros got on there and said, no, they're not great because they look good on your screen but you'll never be able to make a print out of it and you'll be screwed. And uh, I know I have prints on my wall and I believe that Jeff has prints on his wall. So let's talk about printing on the iPhone. Jeff, your reaction to a comment like this, a cell phone image looks good at small screens where it only requires a 72 to 80 DPI file for a viable image where as most printing requires 300 DPI and magazine covers can be DP, uh, 600 DPI. In other words, you can't do anything with that photo. Your reaction. Uh, the 30 by 40 print that hangs over my mantle every day of the week says BS to that Jefferson. And uh, the prints that I have been submitting to um, you know, very competently judged photo competitions. Nobody asks me what camera made this, and I'm not getting down checks on 16 by 20s, 24 by 36s, 30 by 40s. Okay. Um, it's I, interesting. The I camera think produces competent prints. My mantle is probably similar to your mantle in that it has a bunch of holiday cards, right? Sure. And I would I would venture to say that most of those were taken on an iPhone. It wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, nope. I, 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 I don't ask, but if they're not professionally done, my guess is that, you know, the family snapshot kind of cards are produced on an iPhone or the equivalent. Yeah. And they look pretty good. Now, when it comes to printing, uh, what's your process? So you say you have th 30 by 40, I think 20 by 30, something hanging behind you. Where do you get yep. them printed? Uh, most of my competition prints are 16 by 20, um, which is the maximum allowed by my salon. Uh, and I tend to use all of that space because I find that judges treat prints that are full size better. You know, I, I, I don't like gaming the system, but you know what? I'm not going to throw points away either. So I tend to print 16 by 20 or 12 by 12 if I'm shooting square format. Um, the reason for that is, is that my competition lab of choice Costco, um, makes those as standard sizes. So they're available. Um, you know, my, my dirty secret is that I don't print expensive for competitions because I know what judges do to the prints that you turn over, you know, to judges, they have to be transported to and fro. Um, every judge has a different process. So I don't do fine art printing for the purposes of competition. Um, when I make fine art prints, I do it through a local printer. Okay, in, in Minnesota? 
Yeah, Minnesota, yeah. Okay. Um, I use a lab in Minnesota, WHCC. Is that your lab? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why, okay. yes, it is. Okay. They do great, great work. And, and every time you order something, you get a Tootsie Roll, <laughs> a Tootsie Pop, which is always exciting to me because I, I love Tootsie Pops. I don't know about you. Uh, I've got a jar full of them. I, I, it's, I, I don't dislike them or anything. It's just that I've weaned myself off of that being the first thing I do is unwrap it. So it gets tossed in a jar and, you know, I'll have one every now and then. Okay. All right. So what is 16 by 20? Uh, since you obviously print more 16 by 20s than I do, what does it tend to go for these days? Uh, Cost-wise? Yeah. You mean, oh, I think I'm paying 7 or $8 a piece. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's it. And that's, and that's what I, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that every print should be made inexpensively, but I think that one of the major obstacles to people, when you say people to people, you should print, there's an obstacle that right away, oh, printing is expensive. And I have owned and discarded four photo printers over my, the last 20 odd years of my, you know, photography slash media career. Um, because I don't print enough to keep them active and non-clogged and everything else. And I finally found out um, through a professional photographer friend of mine in uh, Boston when I was living there. He said, yeah, I just do all my portfolio prints at Costco. And I started printing there um, back when you could actually walk into Costco and pick up your 16 by 20, which was a tremendous advantage. And I find that it's fantastic for proofs, um, for making a print that you decide, do you want to live with it? Do I want to do a metal? Do I want to do a glass? Do I want to do a big canvas? But, you know, print a 16 by 20, put it on a piece of inexpensive foam core board um, that you pick up at the dollar store and, you know, prop it up on your mantle or hang it on your wall for a while and find out if you like it. And, uh, you know, and, and then if it's like, yeah, this is something I really want to live with, then you can investigate your White House, your, you know, your other venues for doing an archival, anything I sell is going to be done as an archival print. I don't, you know, I don't fetch top dollar and then say, and here's your Costco print. But I really find that there's a utility to printing inexpensively, to not being afraid to print big and, you know, bringing this full circle until you print big, you can't really disprove uh, what the people said on the LinkedIn chat. Right. You know, the, 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 a four by six is not necessarily a proof that what they say isn't true. Although if all you need is a four by six mission accomplished, and I do those with my Canon selfie. So I've got a little four by six printer and I can crank those out all day long. Um, but as you print bigger, that's when you start to see that the quality does hold up. And sometimes you got to play some tricks. You got to do a little up sometimes, particularly when I'm printing things that I produced you know, images that I made on older iPhones and then maybe ran through some sort of post-production process on the phone and what looks great on the screen, you find out it's only a 1200 by 1200. Yeah, you're not going to send that out for a 16 by 20 without some up or, you know, in some cases just going back and recreating it. But well, the modern... Well, let's go through the process of you making a print. So you go out today, you take a picture, you say, hey, I like this. I'm going to get a 16 by 20. You're yep. you're uh, importing the photo into Lightroom or or what? Um, uh, I, I'm not a Lightroom guy. Um, my uh, photos and raw power are my two primary 
um, applications. Raw power, certainly if I'm working with a raw photograph, whether that's from one of my quote unquote dedicated cameras or the iPhone. And the iPhone is about 50% or, or maybe a little better of my photography. Um, I treat them all the same. They're all cameras. So it's going to come into the, you know, um, either into photos or into uh, raw power, get processed, um, match it up as best I can. I tend to do my final proof proofing on my iPad Pro um, because I find that that just matches up really, really good with when I send it out and what I get back. So I don't do elaborate color matching. I no longer download print profiles. I used to do the whole print profile thing through um, Photoshop and and I had the exact print profile for the, the printer that they used to print my prints at my local Costco. And to be honest with you, I'm, I, I do uncheck the box and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So I do my post-processing. I do my crop um, for 16 by 20, if that's what's, if that's what it's going to be. But I, you know, I do my post-processing of my crop. I make sure it looks good. Generally the last look is on the iPad pro just because I like its screen a little bit better than the screen that's on my current MacBook. Um, and then I will go to the Costco app. Um, I do use the website version of the app because it gives you a little bit more options when you get into the editing and cropping. Um, although in a pinch, I have ordered from the phone app. I okay. ordered from the phone app and picked up an hour later and, and delivered to the uh, contest site, you know, 15 minutes after that. So, but for, uh, but, but, for prepare, but for preparing it for a print, are you doing a lot of sharpening? Are you taking out the noise? I mean, what, what are you... Um, doing the clarity slider what are you doing to the uh, clar clarity I, I definitely tend to do clarity although I like to keep a light touch with everything you know exactly what I do is going to depend on the print um, just about everything raw does end up getting a little bit of extra sharpening uh, although ironically the iPhone pro raws will end up getting a little bit of desharpening and also removing some of that local contrast um, local contrast is sort of that magic that makes a, a pro raw, not just a, a bland, ordinary raw file. And I do think that sometimes Apple can overdo it a little bit. So, you know, kind of the bigger I'm printing, the more I'm likely to back off a little bit on that local contrast and then go in and do my own um, adjustments for color. But I don't do a ton of extra sharpening. Uh you know, I, I tend to send it out there. And one of the things I think people get really, really obsessed over the idea that a print needs to be razor sharp. And when you're printing at 16 by 20, my expectation is, is that the, my prints are being viewed from three to four feet away. Okay. You know, they're not. And sure, there's always going to be that person. I almost said that guy. And let's be honest, it's always that guy. The one on it is dad? never a woman. It is always that guy that's going to get right up on that print and look at it and, you know, try and claim that he sees some kind of watercolor or some kinds of smear or something there. And it's like, well, you know, I, I guess if I got my loop out and really looked at it, it might be there. But, you know, the print gets judged as a print, not as a minuscule piece as a print. Okay. Why do you think these people on LinkedIn are speaking this way? Let me read you another quote. For web and social media, it's okay, but not for printing images. It's just too difficult to print these images at sizes larger than 8 by 10. And another one says, I use an iPhone and the photos are shit. So why do these people say these things? 
Are they protecting Canon, I, Nikon, and Sony? Are they protecting I, their I, investment? I, I think protecting their investment, you know, kind of like it, it's along the same lines as the people that will say, well, you know, you should never you let a camera shoot an automatic, and it's because they have an investment. Um, you know, they have a learning investment in having learned a process and for better, or for worse, I went through the same process. You know, I, I do, I am just old enough to remember a thing called film. Um, I shot it for probably the first 20, 25 years of, of doing photography and did make an early jump to digital, but only on the very low end initially. Um, you know, my quote, serious work was still taking place on film. And I was playing around with digital point and shoots. So I think it's that, that, you know, and I think that a lot of it has to do, you know, it, in the world of audio, there's always someone that'll tell you, oh, these headphones sound this or, or these sound better or whatever. And I think it's the same with photography. If they're willing to participate in a double blind study and still believe what they believe, then I'll say, okay. But I think that there's an instinctive reaction um, in social media or on bulletin boards, websites, whatever you want to call it. As soon as you say iPhone, you know, immediately the, you know, you, everything that you just said is almost out of the playbook. Right. Oh, it's only good for social media posts. Oh, it's, you know, everything that Apple does is over sharpened. The one I've been reading a lot is, is that Apple can't produce good skin tone. iPhone can't produce good skin tones. I don't know what I do right and everyone else does wrong, but I, you know, have I produced poor skin tones from the iPhone? Absolutely. Have I produced poor skin tones from a Leica? Absolutely. And a Canon and a Hasselblad and a Nikon, you know, you name it, I can produce a bad picture with it. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that really resonated when um, you and Scott first started the podcast, the first episode that I listened to, Scott came up with the, you know, the whole, if you want professional pictures, treat it as a professional camera. Right. And I mean, yeah. that is the number one thing. If you go out with the idea that this is just a snapshot camera and I'm not going to take it seriously, then it is every bit as capable of producing a substandard poor quality images anything else and if you go out and treat it like a camera and use all of the skills that you bring to your nikon to your fuji to your whatever then it is capable of you know producing results in most cases never going to be your burning camera i exceptions you know yes. you, you produce some wonderful shots but you. if you were out to shoot species photographs it's not going to be a burning camera it's not going to be my choice for shooting the cars at the monaco grand prix but i might use it at the party beforehand to uh, capture the, the images in the crowd yeah. you know it's right it i would is what it is i would knock out all sports basically unless you like white shots of the crowd yep. you know yeah. and uh shooting stage work and right. really ultra low light work um, but, uh, you know, I will also say, let's, let's be real. This is a cell phone that happens to have a really good camera. Okay. Yeah. Um, my Sony, uh, a seven four has a larger image chip and it, it, the shots are sharper. They just are. Yep. And, but I, maybe I don't want to walk around with it, but, or maybe I do, but when I put my 7,200 millimeter lens on the Sony, I could do back to back shots and they're out, out of this world. They just are. But, um, you know, I'm also the guy that had my, my camera ripped off in San Francisco right. when I was in, in a public place. So, and I have had no issues whatsoever with the iPhone. I will also say that I've done, you know, I've done shots on the Sony back to back with the iPhone and then I've, I've blown them up and the Sony shots were sharper, but then the iPhone is doing a multiple exposure of eight images at the same time. Right. 
that the Sony's not doing. And I'm getting, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. And well, I just, the, the question that I would ask, and this, this is not meant to be a, a challenge. It's just the question you need to ask is, you know, sharper is one thing, you know, if, if something is already sharp enough to sharp matter, or is sharpness the most important thing in an image, you know, and, you know, there are times when things absolutely have to be tack sharp. And, you know, if, if, if I was doing some product, you know, a product shot for a client, which is not something that I do, but I did work in advertising for a while. And I worked with product shot photographers, obviously, you know, the iPhone is not going to, you know, be my tool for that, but to produce the kind of, um, you know, rep reportage, fine art photography that I, produce sharpness is not necessarily the number one priority it can't be blurry unless it's intentional but it really doesn't have to be tech sharp and i think that a lot of the when you hear the comments about how oh i don't know digital just feels so soulless or this or that i think a lot of that comes down to that we, we've all become addicted to sharpness that um isn't really an important component in photography um, I, I think I, focus is important in photography, but I'm not sure that sharpness is if that someone's going to argue the semantics of that with me and that's okay. I'm okay with my own inconsistencies. It's an internal logic. Yeah, actually <laughs> on, on a, uh, on an average, the pictures are sharper on an iPhone than they are on your Sony. They just, cause they got everything's in focus you know, unless you're in portrait mode or cinematic mode, everything's in focus right. and you have to work hard to, to get a little arty, but that's okay. That's fun to do. I just did some shots today and they're great. Um, tell, tell everybody, Jeff, about you and your photography. Where in Minnesota are you? Uh, I'm in the Minneapolis Metro area, um, just out in the Western suburbs. So currently, uh, currently in between snowstorms. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and bitter do, cold. Do you have and, a day job um, or are you my photography? Uh, do you have a day right, job? Sorry. Do you have a day job? Uh, well, I did. And, uh, and uh, soon I may again, but um, I've been, uh, I've been on a little bit of a year hiatus that's, that's just coming to an end, trying to uh, reinvent myself for sort of the last stage of my career. Uh, and also uh, I have two aging parents and there's some stuff going on. That's got me staying close to home at the moment. Okay, your day job was an audio engineer? Uh, long, long time ago. Uh, my most recent day job was is that I basically um, sold outdoor gear. Um, so bikes and snowboards and skis and uh, ski boot fitter, that type of thing. I worked for a, uh, you know, a nationally known outdoor co-op. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. And you spend a good deal of time taking pictures and dealing with them during the week. Yeah, I, I try to, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a little rough, uh, with, uh, with, with some of the stuff going on with my dad, but I really do try and spend, you know, a good, um, 24 to 48 hours a week minimum, you know, looking at photography, looking at my fit, more importantly, looking at my photography, um, working with it, um, going back to old images when I'm not making new uh it covid came at a at a tough time and that it just sort of knocked the a lot of the photography that i was doing went away for the period of covid because i just wasn't out and about okay uh, and you, it's you, been a slow recovery um hampered by the change in the employment situation and the whole need to stay at home so i'm not doing a whole lot of travel which i would say that you know traditionally i am an adventure travel photographer 
with sort of a an eye towards the, the fine art side of things. You know, I'm trying to make an interesting photograph that someone would say, hey, I'd like to put that on my wall, which is kind of my definition of fine art. Okay. Um, you, you talked about so. uh, going through old photos. So on the iPhonePhototeam.com website, uh, perusing some of your stuff today, you've got pictures that were taken on the 4S, the 5S, yep. Um, yep. Uh, 11, and, and some uh, some of the older phones. I'm amazed that you find stuff from the 4 and the 5 that that is that, that is showable. Yeah, I it's it's down under the flatten, flattening, but I uh, the most recent 4S picture I, I shared was the photo of the box of old Christmas lights. And uh, I'm, oh, you said this won't come out until next Friday, so I can definitely say this. Um, yeah. There is a 16 by 20 print made from that image downstairs being flattened because it arrived in a tube uh, that's going to be mounted up tomorrow. And that's going to be my sister and brother-in-law's uh, holiday gift this year. Okay. Well, and on their behalf, looks, I'll say thank you. You know, I, I, I know it's, it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say this about all my children, but it looks great. You know, I was a little concerned and I unrolled the 16 by 20 and I turned on the overhead light and, and waited the four corners and I did not take a loop out, although I could, but I, you know, it's not important. I took that out and I looked at, it and I said, you know, is this something, and it's always tough. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to pass a print on and just have it out there. It's like, well, it's gone. It's gone. When you're giving it to someone where, you know, the odds are it's going to hang and you're going to have to walk by it three, four, eight times a month. It, it, it matters to me. Um, and I have actually gone and the things that I gave to my sister 20 years ago and taken them back from her and said, let me make you a new print of this. Let me, let me give you a better print. I, this just can't hang anymore. Um, so I am, you know, I, I, I am picky. I'm just not, picky in the hypercritical sense of the word where where I'm going to examine every component I'm looking and saying is this piece mounted matted and framed doing justice to the work is it sending the message I want to send and um even the 4s can do it um you with much less consistency you know that was a low light photo and I was lucky to have a railing to rest the camera on it is one of four exposures that were made of that same um, little scene that I came across, and it is the only one that is printable. So it's not, you know, it is not the sure thing that pointing my Fuji or your Sony at it would have produced. On the other hand, I almost definitely would have needed a tripod, you know, to, to get something that would be printable because of the fact that this little box was just tucked in this dark little alcove in a, in a country store. Um, yeah. as part of their Christmas display. And, you know, I wasn't carrying a camera that day. I was, uh, my recollection, I was carrying shopping bags for my mother. And I'm like, oh, I got to get a picture of this. So out came the 4S and click. Okay, I'm just surprised because I was going through some of my photos today and I came across a four iPhone 4 photo that I thought was horrendous. Everybody's eyes were glass, they were like marbles. Mm -hmm. I mean, they look so bad yeah. and I forgot how bad some of those old photos were. So congratulations to you. Yeah, I, again, and I don't want to say that everything's a gem, but I don't think there's ever a time in my photography career where everything was a gem, <laughs> you know. Um. Well, in my case, it's mostly a lot of junk and a lot of good stuff. So you have to yeah. weed through the junk. Um, this is, uh, we're, we're it, it, for anybody listening on the 30th or 31st, we're about to hit the new year. We're going to look back for a minute. Um, I've been using the iPhone 14 Pro Max and could not be happier. I think it's a better camera than the 13 Pro, but I mean, minimally. 
But, you know, as with every iPhone, it's the greatest iPhone they've ever made, right? Uh, with every everyone. Uh, Jeff did not upgrade this year. Why not? Uh, because of losing my job. Uh, that's a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, when, the, when the time came, it, uh, I, I had no major complaints about the 13 Pro. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just, it just didn't feel like the right time to, uh, uh, to be the, the, I'd been on the annual upgrade program, I think from the, from the 10 on, um, my, my own version of it, not, not the Apple official one, but I, I'd, I'd been basically trading in and, and getting a new one every year. And I, you know, I really, really am tempted. Um, every time I see one of those 48, uh, you know, 48 megapixel raw images and say, yeah, I could really put that to work. Um, I, you know, I would like to add it to my arsenal, but the way that I tend to shoot the iPhone, I'm not sure that it's penalizing me much. You know, I don't think it's a real world penalty very often. I think that most of the time when I wanted to make that 48 megapixel raw, I've got different cameras that I, I'm probably using for that particular purpose. So on the iPhone, uh, you know. what is what is your app of choice? Photo app. Uh, I, I keep going back to raw power, although I have to admit now that I've discovered, or maybe it's rediscovered that Snapseed will directly access the photo library because I, my entire workflow has gone from aperture to Lightroom and then back into the Apple photo library to use photos as my sort of content management system. Um, so anything that I do, I, it's much nicer if it will access the photo library directly. As a matter of fact, if, um, Adobe would come out with, Hey, you know, I just want to be your processor. Let me access your Apple photo library directly. I might very well go back to Lightroom. My complaints with Lightroom aren't about subscriptions or cost or anything else. It's just that it doesn't let me work with my files the way I want to work with them. Okay. And so that all came about because the phone is an equal part the whole deal so you know the phone really really is biased towards everything that goes into the photo library and it's easier to bring the fuji images and other miscellaneous camera images into photos than it is to take everything out of photos and put it into something else okay so, so. when i use lightroom i import directly from the pictures on the phone okay so what yep. what am i doing that you can't do or vice versa Oh, it's just, but you're creating a whole separate image. And when you're importing into Lightroom and then it becomes part of a Lightroom library. Um, what I am doing when I open an image in raw power is I am opening the image in photos. I am making modifications and then it is sending up the Apple prompt. Do I have permission to modify this photo? And it is making the modification directly in my photos library. And within about five minutes at the outside, that change is on both of my iPads both of my computers, my phone, iCloud, if I'm sitting at someone else's computer. And to me, not, I just never found a way in Lightroom. And, you know, first of all, understand it was bitter, bitter, bitter because Aperture was no more. Yeah. And I know all about the hacks to get Aperture running and everything else. And I just, it's not for me. Um, you know, so it's, it's time to move on. It's time to do something else. And I was with Lightroom for about 18 months. And I just, you know, the, it was too clumsy for me to have to then go to Lightroom and say, okay, now I got to put this back on the photo library if I want it to be everywhere. And you end up with multiple copies of an image. And is this the one I edited or not? And 
It just, it, it works for me. You know, I, I, I always say, I'm not suggesting my workflow to you or, or, or saying that my workflow works for you. I am saying that my workflow exists and it is a possibility All right. um, that well, there, there are things other than Lightroom for yeah. people that are, want to do other things. What's your backup method? What do you, what, how are you saving your photos? Um, the desktop computer, the iMac in the other room, um, gets full, you know, is set to save full copies. Uh, it is backed up locally via super duper to a, a drive that sits next to it. Um, it is also backed up to crash, uh, backblaze, sorry, crash, crash plan is no more, uh, mm -hmm. is also backed up to backblaze. And then of course, um, you know, I understand that the iCloud library isn't a backup per se, but for practical purposes, you know, I, I have a lot of faith that Apple is probably not going to lose all my pictures. Unless you delete yeah. something. Doesn't mean I phone. don't have backups, but you know, that's what, the other thing about working with the library is, is that it's, you know, it's in Apple's cloud and I assume they're making multiple backups too. So. Yeah. Unless you delete something off your phone and then it will be deleted from iCloud. Yeah. Correct. Correct. You, and you know, that the only thing I can say there is, is that I started as a computer and tech guy. I don't tend to make that mistake, but I, you know, I, again, workflow works for me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure I would, I would send everyone loose. Uh, we just had this discussion with a gentleman in one of my computer groups and he, you know, he's just got to clear up some space on his phone because he didn't buy enough memory. He's like, so should, what if I, should I just start deleting these pictures? It's like, that's probably not the first step. <laughs> yeah. Let, um, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, a little, I expand drive, stick it into the phone and get the photos out of there as soon as possible. Yep. yep yeah, absolutely. Um, beyond not having a zoom, what is the most frustrating thing for you about using the iPhone camera and what would you like to see improved for next year it's gonna this this one's esoteric and, and it just came to me because i did see when you posted that uh on the website and i didn't have an answer until just now um what's frustrating to me is that um i really like what apple is doing with the with the jpeg recipes or the jpeg uh, looks or the heek looks if you prefer um, I would like to have better control of those. I would like to be able to name them and I would like to have maybe, you know, not have it just be a division of the sort of the six that are in there. So ideally I could have a little library of looks, not, uh, not unsimilar to Fuji's film recipes for their, um, for their cameras where I can create a, you know, a, like a color look, or I can create a, uh, a really, really nice monochrome with, with just the hint of sepia or whatever those looks are. And I would like to give them names that make sense to at least me, um, not just know that, okay, well, when I go to the, to the rich contrast one, that's actually the, uh, name is evading me, but, uh, the, the Austin man, that's actually the Austin man preset for rich because I've, I've made the, the adjustment to it. I would rather just be able to pull up a little drop down menu or a, a selector and say, give me the Austin man. Look, give me, give me the Jeff's monochrome look. Okay. And that's the number one frustration for me. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm happy with the, with the lenses on the camera. I shot a, I shot a Leica 35 as my, you know, my only carry camera for a lot of years. So I'm very used to working without a zoom. Uh, you know, I tend to pick my, you know, if I'm going to the races, I'm taking a zoom lens camera with me, but 
my travel shots have always been made without the benefit of a zoom lens. And I'm okay with that. Focus my, on the shots you can make and don't worry about the ones you can't. Right. My biggest frustration, you may have an answer to it because I've never seen it. It's the wheel, the digital lens wheel that pops up sometimes that stops you in the middle of what, what you're doing and you can't get rid of it. Have you found a way to put something in a default to say, kill it? No. And, 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 and I'm going to give you that one. It, it didn't occur to me, but it, if, if there would be the, the ability to say, eliminate the digital zoom and just give me three punch buttons to select the three prime lenses, I would, I would take that, um, especially knowing that, you know, presumably there would be a way for that once a year where it's like, no, I'm going to actually use the digital zoom and, and, and get in close to whatever this is that I would be able to do that somehow, but I'd rather have to work to do that and just have it be, you know, punch between the three lenses. Um, yeah, it would be and, nice. And eliminate it? anything in between. All right. It's yeah. it's that time. Time to say goodbye. Before we go, reminder to everybody that this episode has been brought to you by our good friends at Smug Mug. And we're doing, we've got the December photo contest at the iPhone photo team where you can win. The winner can get a free one-year subscription to Smug Mug. And if you don't win in December, we're having a contest in January as well. So uh, if you're listening to this in January, please submit your photos in the January section at the iPhone photo team. Uh, if you're listening to this on the 30th or 31st, go for the December. And uh, check out Smug Mug. There's a free two-week trial. I use it to run my website. I use it to uh, show off my galleries and um, all sorts of other good things. It's a, it's a great, great service and uh, unlimited photo backup, way better than iCloud. So take that, Jeff Berg. Uh, I don't have to worry if I delete something from my phone that it will be deleted from SmugMug. Uh, Jeff, if people want to see your work, how do they see it? I am uh, J.A. Berg. That's J-A-B-E-R-G on Instagram, Vero, and Glass. And the level of curation goes up as you proceed on that. So Instagram is food and kitties and a little bit of fine art. Vero is a little more, I'm looking for photo critique and glass is the closest thing I've got right now to a portfolio. So okay. uh, any of those places. And of course, iPhone photo team, uh, okay. got a lot of stuff up there. All right, Jeff, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you in Min Min near Minneapolis, near Minneapolis, Minnesota, right? And yes, um, it's been great talking to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you next week with another edition of the iPhone Photo, photo Show. Don't forget to check me out on the iPhone photo team, jeffersongram.net. Subscribe to the newsletter, jeffersongram.substack.com, and look for me on YouTube at PhotoWalksTV. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.